0: Morning.
1: Today, we are honored to have a very distinguished guest on our program that is going to give us some much-needed perspective of what is happening in the war in Ukraine. His name is Dr. Paul Gavrilyuk. He is the founding president of an International Orthodox Theological Association, and he has the Aquinas Chair in Theology and Philosophy at the Theology Department of the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota. Welcome, Dr. Paul, to our program, Light of the East.
2: Thank
0: you, glad to be here.
1: Dr. Paul, just let us let us know what we need to know. Tell us what we need to know about this situation. You know, we hear so much from media. We don't know what's propaganda, what's, what's correct. Uh, you know, we need historical background. So tell us what you think we need to know about this situation, first of all.
0: Well, the principal reason for the Russian invasion had to do with the fact that Putin, uh, dictator Putin, is living in the past. He is living a dream of the reconstitution of the Soviet Union, which the dissolution of which he called the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. And he's also trying to relive the dream of the Russian Empire. And he's using distinctly 19th century methods to do so. Now, what the world has been pleasantly surprised by is the extraordinary Ukrainian resistance that has been shown to the russian aggressor ukraine is fighting the second largest army in the world let me repeat this Uh, russian army is supposedly the second largest army in the world obviously after the army of the united states and so against this overwhelming power ukrainians for the third week has now shown extraordinary courage and valor and so the question for the world and the question for us what can we do about it? That is to say, what could be done globally, what could be uh, done at the level of the state, and also what could be done locally? And I hope that in this program we could address all three of these um,
1: topics. Yes. So what can we do?
0: Uh, And so at a state level, uh, I think that the most recent appeal of uh, President Zelensky, and this is the courageous president of Ukraine, has been primarily to offer what he has called, what he has referred to as the humanitarian no-fly zone over Ukraine. Now, I understand that this would require some determination and obviously a significant amount of military support from NATO and from the United States, but this is the key element in Uh, maximizing the possibility of this war being over sooner, and more importantly, in trying to save as many lives as possible. Because if Ukraine has at least partial control of the sky, if it has at least partial air authority, in other words, if it's protected from Russian shelling and of bombs, then on the ground, Ukraine will win the war. Now, what are my reasons for believing that, on the ground, Ukraine will win the war? Well, there's simply this. For economic and strategic reasons, Russia is incapable of keeping more than 100,000 troops on the territory of Ukraine presently. These troops are quite demoralized. Many of them are simply mercenaries. And most of them have no understanding and no clear sense of the mission that they're trying to accomplish, other than simply meaningless destruction for the sake of simply feeding the hubris of one man, and that is Putin. And so uh, the Ukrainian armed forces are comparable in size to the Russian forces that are presently in Ukraine. And more importantly, and this is also going to be the focus of what I will say later, more importantly, we have now 150,000 people who volunteered to defend their country and joined the so-called ground defense units. And I think a lot of local help would be directed precisely to defend these defenders or equip these defenders. And so Putin effectively is fighting a war that cannot be won. And he's fighting a war against civilians by bombarding uh, apartment buildings, hospitals, and most shockingly, a maternity ward in the city of Mariupol. This is the south; it's a city in the south of Ukraine. And he is waging a war on children because by now, Over a hundred children have now died uh, in Ukraine as casualties of war. And I think that's really very tragic. I just saw a picture of a girl who lost all of her relatives and who lost her left arm. And we will be trying to help was the prosthetics. But you understand, of course, that in such a tragedy, this is just partial help. That, but that's something that one could one could accomplish from the United
1: States. We're talking with Dr. Paul gravilyuk a Russian-speaking Ukrainian and distinguished scholar at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. Doctor, how is the Church doing there amidst all this? Is it... Is it- Christian churches, you know, the Eastern Catholic Orthodox churches being destroyed or bombed? How are the priests doing? Are they leaving them alone? Are they able to help? Are they hiding? What's going on with the church?
0: So the church situation is quite complex. Of course, the Greek Catholic Church and also the autocephalous Orthodox Church of Ukraine have shown unquestionable support for the Ukrainian cause and for its people and for defense of the country. Uh, the situation, of course, with the clergy is difficult, uh, because in some cases they themselves have had to go into hiding. But I would say that the overwhelming majority of the people, an overwhelming majority of the priests, are offering shelter to people either in the churches themselves or um If they have the capacity, they certainly serve food and water, and so they're also participating directly in humanitarian efforts, and that certainly goes for specifically uh, Greek Catholics in Ukraine. Uh, I I think I should mention the fact that Eastern Rite Catholicism uh, in Ukraine is the largest branch of Eastern Rite within the Catholic Church, and it numbers close to 5 million. Hmm. This is a very sizable community. Now, there is also the church of the so-called Moscow Patriarchate, and given the fact that Patriarch Kirill has been public in his uh, scandalous uh, justification and defense of President Putin's actions, you can understand that there is tremendous amount of consternation regarding the actions of that church that has more than 10,000 parishes uh, in in Ukraine, uh, re, you know, re- regarding its behavior. Now, the bombs, when they fall, they do not discriminate between various branches of Christianity or, for that matter, different brands of Orthodoxy. And so there's now close to two dozen uh, church buildings that have been damaged as a result of bombing.
1: Also oh, they have been damaged. Churches have been correct. damaged. I haven't heard that report.
0: Yeah. Correct. I have seen, yes, correct. I have seen photos of at least 20 build, mm-hmm. church buildings that have been damaged, uh, and I have all reasons to suspect that this number is significantly higher, because, as you can imagine, these that particular statistical data, reliable facts, will only be known
1: war Doctor, do you think that Putin will, because it seems like he's going to die on this hill, it's, it's either-or for him. Uh, he wants victory. Will he go as far as doing something really extreme, like nuclear?
0: That is, of course, the one million dollar question, and one wishes that one could have a crystal ball. Of course, that would be truly a suicide mission. There are different ways of going nuclear, At least three. And the first one, of course, is simply doing damage to the two nuclear power stations, Chernobyl and then the Zaporizhia power station that is in the south of Ukraine. That's the largest one in Europe, by the way, not just Ukraine, but in Europe. And of course, if, should, and and both of these, both of these are now in the hands of the Russian invaders. So there is a sense in which Putin doesn't have to go nuclear in order to create an enormous ecological and humanitarian catastrophe by simply uh, rendering one of these, one of the reactors dysfunctional. Now, the second possibility, of course, the deployment of strategic nuclear weapons. And then the third one is the sort of Hiroshima style nuclear bomb. Um, these are not the. Um, options that putin discounted in fact he has threatened the west with them but i also think that he understands that this could only happen if he is willing to face the situation of a nuclear threat to the major russian cities including the capital of russia
1: moscow Well, doctor, we're going to take a break uh, very shortly. I really appreciate your coming on. I want to, again, tell the listeners that we're listening to a very distinguished and informative guest, Dr. Paul Gorilyuk, a Russian-speaking Ukrainian and distinguished scholar at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. And he's going to be speaking, I'm proud to say, and thrilled to say, honored to say, he's going to be speaking at my church, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, on Thursday, March 31st at 7 p.m. Nelly, will he be speaking, but we've got an extra honor. We're going to have on display there some icons, some Byzantine icons, that have been painted on ammunition boxes, I think, Doctor, are they from World War
0: II? Yes, that is that is correct.
1: You can find out more about it by going to our website, byzantinecatholic.com, or you can call us at 708-645-0241. Again, this is going to be a wonderful talk by Dr. Paul Gavrilyuk and also the display of icons. And this is going to be a fundraiser for a cause that he's working with. It's go towards the Central Military Hospital in Kiev to try to help these poor people there, as we see and as doctor has explained to us, are suffering so greatly. When we come back, we're going to talk more with our guest, Dr. Paul He He's a distinguished scholar at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Father Thomas
2: Loia on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You're, you're listening to Father Thomas Loya on, on Light of the East.
1: The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to TaborLife.org. That's TaborLife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We are proud today, humbled, and thrilled to have a distinguished guest, Dr. Paul Gorilyuk, a Russian-speaking Ukrainian and distinguished scholar at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. Now, he's also the founding president of International Orthodox Theological Association. He holds the Aquinas Chair in Theology and Philosophy at the Theology Department of the University of St. Thomas. And also, Dr., I think you have a publication. Isn't it called Public Orthodoxy?
0: Well, yes, it's run by my friends, but I very often contribute to it, yes. And uh, most recently, uh, five hours before the Russian attack on Ukraine, I published an article comparing Putin's speech uh, that he gave uh, in justification of the invasion to Hitler's speech that
1: Hitler gave in justification of the invasion of Czechoslovakia in 1939. If people want to read that, they can go to publicorthodoxy.org. That's publicorthodoxy.org. And it's called Hitler and Putin, 1938 and 2022. Fascinating article. Really well done. Very informative, doctor. But you're going to be informing us, people at my church, I'm proud to say, on Thursday, March 31st at 7 p.m. So tell us a little bit about that, the why behind that and what you're going to do and so on. Yes, well, the main question, and actually, I think it's a question for so many of us here in the United
0: States, what can we also do locally to support Ukraine in its hour of need? And I should say I was born in Ukraine. I spent my first 15 years of my life in Ukraine, and then I left uh, eventually for the United States. But I have, of course, been coming back almost every year, and on some of these trips, for example, I would teach at the Ukrainian Catholic University, which is a Greek Catholic school uh, that was established by an American, actually, and that is uh, Archbishop Boris Gudziak. Hmm. And so, um, so the Greek Catholic community is also quite dear to me. But in this, in this, and and it's doing and is doing a lot also for the war Relief effort, uh, both in Ukraine and collecting. Funds and resources um, outside of Ukraine. So, what what, what what I have done with a number of distinguished Ukrainian American business leaders and educators is to establish Rebuild Ukraine nonprofit. And our principal goals are twofold. Uh, in wartime, uh, it's humanitarian aid and relief. And then in peacetime, we're going to be doing, and we have already done programs with Ukrainian orphanages and also establishing study abroad programs for Ukrainian students, especially those in difficult circumstances in the United States.
1: And when you're here, what will you be speaking on at my church that night?
0: So, yes. So, uh, at at the church, uh, my task would be, for about 20 minutes, uh, would be to inform people, and that is simply to tell them in two weeks what precisely is happening, giving the big picture then subsequently to tell people what needs to be done at the global level so that we could contain this violence and hopefully stop the war. And then thirdly, I will be talking about how we can simply save as many lives as possible while there is still time and what we can do locally. And so specifically, I will be talking about the Rebuild Ukraine's mission in Ukraine we work with our partners in Lithuania and Finland uh, to provide various forms of humanitarian aid. Specifically, what we are focusing on is uh, to provide uh, tourniquets. And these are mm. uh, blood-stopping bandages. Essentially, what they are is that these are military bandages that one uses to prevent bleeding caused by a wound in battle. and And that's we're trying essentially to maximize the the, the chances of, of of saving of the, that a life will be uh, will, will be saved. We're also providing other forms of medication. Uh, we are providing uh, food supplies. Particularly, we are sending uh, dry dry meat uh, because it's sort of Ukrainian jerkies, if you will, mm-hmm. a, a favorite food of a. Of an American contractor, I <laughs> you know when you're <laughs> but you know, when you're in the woods and you're you know cold and you haven't eaten for for a while, it's actually a very calorific uh, and and not very, I mean it's' it's relatively easy to carry them in the backpack. but mm. we're also providing, of course, all kinds of other uh, um other food, but it's just just an example of what what we're using in support of the voluntary defense units i mentioned earlier in your program that these uh, voluntary defense units and these consist by the way to give your 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 listeners some sense these are volunteers these are people like you and me father these are teachers these are artists engineers businessmen workers uh, men and women i mean they they've had You know, 19, 20, 25-year-old girls entering these units who are now, who have now taken up weapons. They're getting some training, usually in western Ukraine, for about two weeks or a bit more if there is time. And then they're being sent to the battlefield. And what we're trying to do is because there's simply no capacity within the Ukrainian regular army right now to equip them properly, what we're doing is we're trying to equip them, them with protective gear. Mm-hmm. specifically by protective gear I, I i primarily mean uniforms uh i i also mean for example night vision goggles uh backpacks uh you know good boots and we discovered for example that they didn't quite have the rain jackets yeah and as you can imagine it's a rainy season yeah so I guess the reason I started a new nonprofit is because a new nonprofit, uh, as a smaller nonprofit, uh, allows us to be nimble and allows us to respond to the situation very swiftly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, for example, if I send the resources today, the resources are already working in Ukraine yesterday. And how how is that financially possible? Well, because we have business people in Lithuania and Finland, we're actually mm-hmm. so excited by what we are doing that they are able to provide they have some liquid resources that they can provide before we even send send the resources but i i will be sending today for example i will be sending 30,000 we raised thanks be to god we raised about 150,000 uh thus far and we are poised to double that amount in the next 2 or 3
1: weeks again we're talking with Dr Paul Graviliuk a Russian speaking Ukrainian scholar at the University of St. Thomas and St. Paul, and he'll be speaking at my church, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, On Thursday, March 31st, and along with him will be a display of icons, beautiful icons, painted on ammunition boxes from a a war, from the previous wars. And this would be really fascinating. I've seen pictures of them. They're they're beautiful. And they can be purchased and also donations given. And, doctor, this, this money will go to the Central Military Hospital in Kiev, correct?
0: That is that is correct. And it will be used specifically it would be used for medications. It's rather interesting that they're using I I, I mentioned I mentioned these tourniquets, these, these medical devices, tourniquets. They're actually using them even in a surgery situation because oh, yeah. of the dirt of other you know supplies. And so I've actually seen the pictures of surgeries performed with them. So they're also helpful in that regard. Now we're also sending, and this is kind of interesting. We're also sending uh, um, used, used, uh, you know, Japanese-made or U.S.-made uh, SUVs to Ukraine from oh. Vienna. Uh, land cruisers, etc., so that they could serve as an emergency vehicles in the situation. I mean, as you can imagine, because so many Ukrainian uh, cities are attacked, yes. at least six or seven major cities are presently under the attack. So what that means is that the front line is huge. And that also means that you have a similar case. So if about close to 800 to 1,000 people, as I speak, die a day right now, now these are estimates. These Ugh. are estimates. But that's uh, no. on both sides. Then normally, what you do is you multiply that number by a factor of three to get the number of the wounded. Mm-hmm. And so you now now you can imagine and appreciate the the need, specifically the need for such vehicles. And the, the hospital asked for well, it, it asked for five. Uh, we've been able to to, to find four. Uh, Thus far, and we'll see, you know, how fast we'll actually be able to deliver those to the hospital and then be gone. And of course, I want to emphasize we're buying them used because only God knows, you know, for how long they will eventually serve. Unfortunately, the Russian snipers are shooting even at the drivers of the medical emergency Mm -hmm. vehicles. How do I know this? Because the driver. Who is a close friend of the iconographer that will be bringing the uh, whose icons will be bringing to your parish? That friend is now dead because he was shot oh, by a Russian my. sniper while he was delivering
1: the
0: oh. evacuation.
1: It's just and just, and just it's, I, it just goes on and on the unimaginable horror. It's just hard, so hard to believe. Again, we're talking about Dr. Paul Gavriliuk. He'll be at our parish here, proud to say, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois, on Thursday, March 31st at 7 p.m. To find out more about this, you can go to our parish website, byzantinecatholic.com, or you can give us a call, 708-645-0241. And again, this event will be a fundraiser, as well as being very informative and inspiring. It's a fundraiser for monies that will go to the Central Military Hospital in Kiev. Doctor, I want to thank you for being on our program. I look forward to meeting you and hearing your talk on Thursday, March 31st at 7 p.m., at Annunciation, Byzantine Catholic Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois. Thank you again. God bless you. Let us pray for Ukraine, for all the victims of this tragedy. And thank you for listening.
2: on Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East.
0: news from around the world
1: as it happens
0: religious liberty
1: immigration prayer
0: plus daily reports from the white house capitol hill and rome get the catholic
1: news perspective on the things that impact your life on the ewtn global catholic radio network